0: Well, first of all, i got to say I'm glad I'm not teaching with a ladder today. <laughs> These things are dangerous. Jess always wants me to put like, lights up on the uh, outside of our house, like way up high. I'm like, I'm not doing it. So that's why, right there. You never know what's going to happen. Um, well, hey, I don't know if you've heard the news yet, but the uh, mega millions, right, is up to what, uh, like a lot? 1.6 billion? Did anybody know that? So act like you didn't know, right? You got, so you got your lottery tickets out there. So um, 1.6 billion is the highest it's ever been in like the history of the Mega Millions. I didn't buy a ticket, but I did kind of think about like on the drive home, like what if like I, I got the 1.6 billion, you know, like off some crazy chance, like I just somehow picked the right numbers. I got the 1.6 billion, and let's just let's just kind of ponder this for a second. And I had to spend like a big chunk of that on myself. Like I did, that was just the rules of the the mega millions is like I had to spend a big chunk so this is the question all right now I know you guys are do-gooders you'd save the whales if you had the money you would do all these things you'd buy houses for your family members I know that okay now but if you could just had to get one thing for yourself all right one big item for yourself one big ticket item what would it be so just tell somebody around you real quick and then we'll jump in It shouldn't take long. I know you've thought about it. Come on. All right, so I I just had two things. I had two things that I had thought of. One would be that I'd get a nice piece of land. This is going to sound like a country song here in a minute, actually, as, as I think about it. A nice piece of land, you know, a little house and a nice piece of land. doesn't have to be a big house, but just tons of just area for my children to run and run, because they need it, by the way. Uh, but big old piece of land, and then I would also, um, just an, a nice truck. Like, that. those two things, like, I would, like, the coolest, like, truck I could get to drive, and maybe some ATVs. Like, if I, if I had to, I had a little leftover, because it is 1.6 billion. And then the rest of it, you know, you could do good things with that. By the way, if you do win, don't forget to tithe on your winnings, because, man, we could... There's do some good stuff around here, right? Man. You know what the chances are not to rain on your parade, though? You know what the odds of winning? Because uh, this is the next question I have, right? As I'm thinking, I'll sort of daydream be like, oh, yeah, I don't have, a, you know, $1.6 billion. Oh, yeah, back to reality. And then I think, what are the odds, though? Like if they actually, so not to rain on your parade, I know you're getting excited about the things that you might be able to get, uh, but one in $302.6 million is your odds, okay, of actually... Some of you're like, "That's not too bad." I'm a, I'm on the other end. I'm like, "That forget it." You know, I'm not even I'm not even gonna waste time like in the lottery. Um, we and we're, we're from Kentucky, as you know. I went to uh, college in Kentucky, and down in Kentucky, it's all like horse racing. Any horse racing fans out there? Keeneland, Kentucky Derby. So um, I worked for a while. I managed a bar down in. Um, Uh, Kentucky and uh, at this hotel and there was this guy that would come in every single time there was a horse race on and he would just tell me about the horses and I didn't really know a whole lot about I would just like vote for the ones that like had cool sounding names And anybody look you got to see you got to read the odds right you got to play the odds you got to understand this one over here is a long shot right it's like a one in whatever percent chance that they would even win running on this track in this conditions at this time and so I started to get I started to understand and so then after a while I'm like I'm not betting on the name anymore. I'm like, I'm just writing certain horses off, right? Because that means that horse is really bad, all right? Because he he's got a long shot, and so you kind of learn to play the odds, and uh, I never really like spent a lot of time betting on the horse, it was fun when I'd be like, that's the one I said would win, right, like that's the one, and so now, well, because we're from Kentucky, at the very least, we watch the Kentucky Derby, and we all pick a horse, and uh, so it's fun to be like, yep, that's my horse right there, but I, I never go for the long shot, as much as I, even not betting actual money, I'm like, nope, not wasting a vote on that one, right, not wasting a vote, and so, As we talk about, as we think today about this idea of playing the odds, right? Playing the odds. Today's message is, we see the impossible, right? We see the impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It's a powerful thought, right? We see the impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, we don't have to weigh the odds because the odds are irrelevant with God. And in Matthew 19, 26... When talking about a certain situation that the odds were long on, Jesus responds in this way. He says, Jesus looked at them and said, listen, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Still we ask the questions, don't we? Still we see the impossible. We ask the question in our own minds when it comes to our own lives. And we think, what are the odds that that will actually finally happen in my life, right? that impossible situation that I'm facing, that mess that I've made, what are the chances, what are the odds that I'll ever change in the way that God wants me to change, that my life will ever turn around? What are the odds of that? What are the odds that I will ever love again? What are the odds that our marriage will make it through this? What are the odds that our child will overcome this obstacle in their life? That my son or daughter will find faith again? What are the odds of that? That we will have a child even though, the, even after what the doctors have told us. What are the odds? What are the odds that my healing will ever come? Right? We ask these questions. What are the odds that my skeptical friend will ever come to know the truth of God? What are the odds that I will ever get past my past? What are the odds that me? That, that I could actually do something significant with all my baggage, with all... That I've been through? What are the odds that I could do something significant? What are the odds that that I could find success after so many failures? What are the odds that I will ever dig out of this dark place that I constantly find myself in in my mind and my heart? What are the odds that I will ever get past this mess that I've made? What are the odds? And you could go on and on, right? What's that thing that you know? You've been praying that prayer and you keep praying that prayer over and over again, almost to the point where you're like, do I even keep praying that prayer? Like, I'm tired of praying that prayer. I need to pray that I even have the energy to continue to pray that prayer. So we play the odds, don't we? We play the odds in our mind and in our heart. And here's the truth that I want you to embed in your soul this morning, and that's this. Those who trust in God don't have to play the odds. Those who put their trust in God don't have to play the odds. And the Bible is full of these stories of the improbable and the impossible And we're going to look at one today. It's one of my favorite stories. It was one that I was studying in my personal devotion this past week. And uh, I just felt like this was really a story that I wanted to camp out on with you guys this morning. And so go ahead and turn, if you have your Bibles, into Exodus 14, and we're going to jump through and pull to the surface uh, some cool moments in this story. And this is the the point in Israelites' history where um, they have been in slavery for a long time. They've been under the oppressive leadership of Pharaoh, um, and so they've been oppressed in that way. And they, for time after time, they kept praying that prayer, like, God, just get us out of this mess, God, just give us a way forward. God, just bring that deliverance that we've been praying for. They've been praying for that miracle over and over again. And so God sends plagues on the Egyptians and specifically targeted at Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will let God's people go. And you know this, that you, can, you can picture Moses saying, let my people go, right? And so he confronts Pharaoh in that way. But Pharaoh is hardened over and over and over again until the final plague, the Israelites then Jet out of town, and the chariots and the Egyptians are hot on their heels, right? Because they realize, wait a minute, these guys just busted loose, and so we're coming after them. And so they do. They chase them down and pin them down against the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. I mean, literally, their backs up against the Red Sea, just waiting, complaining to Moses like, okay, I don't get it, Moses, like you you, you talk about this deliverance you brought us out here. Did you just bring us out here to die, like right at the edge of the sea, like just short of the miracle? Like after everything we've been through, after how far we've come, this is going to be it. Couldn't we just have died back in Egypt, right, not been so tired now? Now we're going to just die tired and alone out here at the edge of the sea. And so you can imagine just this feeling, this overwhelming sense that this is impossible now. I know God has done impossible things, but this one right here, this moment is impossible. We have nowhere to go. And that's where the story picks up today in Exodus 14. We're going to read through some of that. In Exodus 14, 10 through 12, here's the first thing that we see happen in the story. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And like all of us, they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die here in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness." And if ever there's a time to ask for help, it's now, right? To get past themselves and, you know what, let's give this another try. Let's just muster up one more prayer. Maybe God's got one more miracle in the tank. And so they do. And it says that even though they were reluctant, even though they couldn't muster up the faith, it says that they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord and then complained to Moses, right? They cried out to the Lord and then complained about what might happen but they mustered up this cry for help. And if ever there is a time to ask for help, that moment is now. We don't always know when to ask for help, do we? we had this at our house. Uh, it's still kind of a, a situation in flux, but we had these two little spots that appeared below our bathroom on our first level, and you're like, that's never good, right? Like, anytime there's water spots on a place like that, we have a problem. It was actually Rob was sitting in our house the other day, and just because he's Mr. Roofer guy, he notices water spots. Like, he's just like, his radar goes off. It's like, boom, water spots. And it was like two seconds later, he's up on my roof. He's like checking out the situation. It's like, I, I hate ladders. This guy, can't keep him off ladders. Like, he just loves ladders, and so we were just having breakfast, and he's like, hold on, I got to check this out. Evaluated the situation. He's like, nope, not coming from your roof. It was actually coming from the upstairs bathroom, and it was gross, and we tore some stuff out, and there was like mold behind there, and it was a situation that had probably grown over a short period of time, uh, but as we evaluated, I'm like, it's no big deal. You know, we'll take care of it. It's, it's, it's not a problem. Like, I'll take a look at it, but Jess was really concerned, right? She's like, you got to call somebody. Like, we got to get somebody to come out here and help us to do something about this, right? And here's my message to her, as it often is, is we fix things ourselves around here, babe. Like, we, we do the fixing ourselves around here. And she's like, yeah, but you're going to end up just breaking things. And te-. And I'll have you know I did okay on the destruction part of the project, all right? We got the floor up. There was more stuff under there. It's drying out. I'll keep you posted. It's not yet done. But then I reached out to Steven and Rob because I know when I'm like, okay, I need their expertise, right? So eventually I did relent, at least um, ask for a little bit of help. And it's good because the truth is Jess sometimes knows my limits better than I do. Like, hey, we're about to create a bigger mess for ourselves here. Why don't you just make it easier on yourself and ask for help? And so I'm starting to learn my limits Plumbing and electric are two of them, so if you're good at those kinds of things, let me know. I'd like to be your friend. Um, but we have to know, right? We've got to know when to ask for help. We have to know when we've hit a limit. And this one's a very obvious one for the Israelites, right? It's pretty obvious we need help in this situation. And so they cry out to help, for help. And there's really two ways to handle every situation, with man or with God. Remember the scripture we just read? With man, this is impossible But with God, all things are possible. And so with every success, every loss, every challenge, every temptation that we face, we have two options. Do I face this with God or do I face this on my own and by the power of man? In my finances, do I do this? In my health, do I do this? With our children and the things that they face, do I do it alone or do I do it with God? And our relational challenges, hey, I got this one. I can fix this one. Or do we say, God, I need your help. God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to step into this situation. And so are we going to do it with or with, without God? And one word really changes everything. This, this word help. So the first thing we have to do if we want to see miracles in our life is be willing to cry out to God. Be willing to say, God, I need your help. I've done life on my own. I've seen where that's landed me. I need your help. I love what Matthew 5.3 says in the message version. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. We've, uh, Project 215, it was actually inspired by something Jess Doak has been doing for a while. She has this prayer chalkboard. Well, she just, and you ask her, this prayer chalkboard works, right? She writes things on these prayer chalkboards. She prays over these things. You might have something you wanted to put on her chalkboard. I would do it, right? Because we've seen prayers answered. And so we brought out this prayer chalkboard this year, and we're like, you know what? We're going to continue to write things, these prayers that we have. And so we did this at Project 215 a couple weeks back, and we really just said, um, we want to see more of God, right? We want to see more of God in his rule. We believe that the more that we seek, the more that we will see God do. And so we're, we're, we're not above asking God for his help. To say, God, we want to see you do more. And so let me just encourage you. Find a way maybe write it in a journal or just keep praying that prayer. Write it out, but enlist God's help. Step one, if you really want to see a miracle in the making, The next thing Moses tells the people after they complain to him, they're grunting, they feel like it's over. Listen, Moses says this, be still, be still. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Easier said than done, Moses, I get it. But then he says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today... Uh, You will never see again, right? This is the last time you're going to see these guys. Why? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Be still. And again, imagine yourself in this situation. Now is a really good time to freak out, like, internally, and what are we going to do? And the Israelites are notorious for that, and so are we. But Moses tells them, be still, be composed, prepare yourself, be ready. I was telling Jess about the message as I was preparing it this week. And um, I, she was like, you know what? Like, as I was talking about this be still point, U, like, she, she's like, you know who that is to a T? That's that's Sarah Chrysler, and if you don't know Sarah Chrysler, she's one uh, of the girls, she's one of our trainers over here at the gym, and she is just, in some amazing way, she has a way to just channel like all of her energy, and you never even know, she doesn't even look like she's working in the middle of a workout, and we have these competition settings, and I'm like, are you even breaking a sweat, right? But there's just coolness and collection on her face, and we've gone to competitions with her, and I'm always like jealous, because I'm like, did, did, like, does this even affect you at all? And I'm over there like, you know, veins popping, and then neck, holding my breath, just trying to get the weight up over my head, like collapsing underneath it, and then after it's all done, I'm like leaned over, like huffing and puffing like somebody get me a water, you know, but she's just cool and collected the entire time. That's really the essence of stillness, isn't it? That in the heat of battle, we have this ability to say, I don't it doesn't matter what I face, it doesn't matter what I'm up against, but the internal temperature, what's going on inside of me is composure, I'm ready for what I might face. And that's something that we have to practice. That's something we have to build a habit up of. But where does this spiritual stillness come from? It comes from knowing who's fighting for you, right? It comes from understanding that God is standing in our corner. Another place we see this phrase show up is in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, through its water, those waters roar and foam, and mountains quake with their surging. And then later in that same psalm, it says the same phrase, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Stillness is a state of mind that says, God's got this. God's got this. Stillness is the tiny shepherd boy staring down a mighty giant, Goliath, and saying, Hey, you come at me with a spear and a sword and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Right? That's stillness. So you might think that I'm a long shot in this battle, but listen, God changes everything. And stillness comes from an understanding of that, a belief in that. A friend of mine, I know, is just so dedicated to just practicing stillness for hours and practicing prayer. And I asked her about this. I'm like, man, this is so, I look up to you in that. I think that's so awesome. So much time soaking in the presence of God. And she said to me this, she said, how else would I get the wisdom I need to take on the challenges that I'm facing? How else would I be prepared for the things that I face? And it's in the stillness, right? It's in the stillness that we find this composure. So cry out be still, and the next thing that Moses says is, or God tells Moses is, move on, move on. So then the Lord said to Moses, hey Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground wait a minute, you just told me to be still, now you're telling me to move on? Which is it? is it? Is it be still? Is it move on? Listen, be still. Don't be stuck. Be still. Don't be stationary. Be still. Don't be stagnant, right? The Bible never tells us to do that. And sometimes, oftentimes, what God calls us to is to move out in advance of our miracle. That's what faith is, isn't it? Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We would prefer for God to part the sea before we even have to get our feet wet, wouldn't we? Right, like God, just go ahead and do this thing, because here they are, we're about at the end of the road here. If you could just open that thing up so we didn't have to freak out and worry and come running on our knees to you, that would be a whole lot easier, right? We would like that. But God's message to Moses is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And here's the truth. We hear this a lot and we use this phrase a lot. Like, I'm just waiting on God. Just waiting on God. Waiting on that miracle to come. Just waiting. Just waiting. It's going to come at any point in time. Just waiting on God. But I have to check myself from time to time. Am I waiting on God or is God waiting on me? Because waiting on God's a good thing. That's when the miracles happen, right? But if God is waiting on you, you are missing out on the miracles that God could be doing in your life. So are you waiting on God or is God waiting on you? One of the the, the words I hear the most now uh, with my now five-year-old, and we're in this stage now where because the truth is he is really, really smart and he knows a lot of things. And He's really smart and he knows a lot of things. So we have these debates, right? These conversations, and I have to remind him. He's always like that. Who's the boss? You know, like, I, okay, we know that you're the boss. Okay, so, but I forget. And well, the lately, it's he he knows, but then it's like, hey, Aiden, I need you to go uh, grab some stuff and get. But 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 but. but but over and over again, like, and it's just, like, maddening sometimes, like, hey, just go grab, but, 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 and he's got really good legitimate reasons, right, like, but, I got to do this thing first, or I got to, but, 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 and so we just hear this word, "But, but, 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 you know, I'm about to bust your butt, that's what's about to happen, right, and we do the same thing all the time, right, we know what we need to do, maybe we need our butts busted, it's a double meaning, by the way, right, because our butts are the things that are holding up our breakthrough, right? But, but, God, God, you, you know what you need to do, but, but, just let me get through this season, right? Then I'll do the thing that I, let me just get through this season of my life, right? Let me just get over this thing. I'll have more time at this point. But, 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 we do all this over and over again. And I find myself doing the very same thing. And many of you, you already know, and it's funny, sometimes you'll sit down and, Uh, uh, just sit down with people uh, for counseling. And honestly, the the one thing, I I rarely even have to do anything because people already know what they need to do, right? You just go, yep, that sounds like a good idea. You should just go do that, like that. Go do that. Go do that. You know the truth. You know the thing that you ought to do, right? You know what you ought to do, so just go do what you ought to do. Many of you already know what you need to do. You just, you've got your marching orders. You're just standing there, but, 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 but. We got to move on past those butts, right? We got to step out in faith. We got to forge past fear. We got to trust that God knows best if we want to see the impossible happen. And then we see the result of that, and that's that the Israelites see that miracle happen. The sea opens up in front of them. Have you ever seen anything like that, right? There's a first time for everything. They're like, okay, yeah, he did it again. You know, sea opened up, we've got this nice clear path to walk through, and so they're just standing there, like, I just imagine, like, I don't even care what's happening behind me anymore, like, look, the sea just opened up in front of us. Can you believe that? Oh my goodness, look at God, look at how good he is. This is incredible. And it says, the Israelites, they went through the sea on dry ground. With a wall of water on their right, a wall of water on their left. And that's the day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. It probably took everything in them just to collect themselves and to pick themselves up off the ground to walk through the sea because they were standing in the presence of an incredible miracle and there's a first time for everything. And here's a minor detail that just stuck out to me this time. Did you notice they walk through on dry ground? Are you serious? Like the ground's not even wet where they're walking through the sea? They're walking through on dry ground. You don't even have to get your sandals muddy. I mean, dry ground. And guys, just like, because I can. Because I'm the almighty God. Because I'm the God that does the impossible. And so let's just turn this to complete dry ground so that you can walk through the sea. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, sometimes God shows up, sometimes God shows off. Because he's almighty God. One of my favorite songs that we sing up here sometimes is that song, um, and I don't even know what the song's called, but there's that big moment, and it's like, and I can just hear the girls up here just belting this song. It's like, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. It wasn't bad. It was a, a bit pitchy, but you know. But you just, I mean, right there, and I can't hit the big note, but when they hit the big note, I'm like, yes. Amen to that, right? He's still splitting seas. He's still opening up the water on our right and on our left. He's still giving us dry ground to continue to progress and walk forward. And you know, just as I was thinking about this message this week, I was just looking back on my life and saying, you know what, big and small, I've seen God split some seas in my life. Big and small, I've seen God show up in my life. And there's been other times when I've seen God just flat out show off in my life. But when I look back at my story, God is there. He's been present. The impossible God has been at work. And my thought as I was just thinking back on those things, just wow, wow, God is good. So I have a question for you, and this is really the question that I just want to leave you pondering. Do you believe that God is still splitting seas? And I love the But God stories. I love the But God series. I love that people have been coming and just saying, hey, listen, here's mine. We've seen some stories of that. Here's mine. Here's something God did for me, right? Those are some of my favorite stories are stories of, of transformation, stories of life change, stories of a God who can do the impossible, right? Listen, my marriage was over, but God. My health was failing, but God. I'd given up. I was done. I turned my back, but God. I felt totally alone. But God, but God changes everything. And so let me just ask you, what Red Sea are you up against this morning? What are you facing that has you scratching your head saying, what are the odds? What are the odds? Friends, those who trust in God don't have to play the odds. So as we spend some time in worship here, as we spend some time singing about the goodness of God, Maybe you're just going to sit there and say, you know, I need to be—I need help. It's just a help kind of a prayer, and God, I need a miracle. I feel like I'm—I just—I'd have nowhere else to turn. My back is up against the sea, God. I don't even know. I I just had to—it took everything in me just to get here this morning. You're in that kind of a situation. You just got to throw up your hands and say help, or finally humble yourself to say, you know what, I can't fix this myself. I've been trying to fix life myself. I've been trying to do life myself. And so, God, you, I want you to take it, God. And so maybe your prayer today is just a prayer of help. Maybe you need to ask God for the courage to say, I know what I need to do. I just, I just got to do it. God, give me the courage. Give me the strength to take that first step toward the sea. Maybe that's your prayer this morning, that God would help you to move out in advance of your miracle. For some of you, I think you just need to sit there and just say to God, wow. Look at how you have written my story. Look at what you have done. You are truly the impossible God, big and small, God. You are the God of miracles, the unstoppable God that we sang about, right? So just spend some moments as we're closing out. Just spend some time with the Lord and just approach him in whatever way you feel like you need to this morning. We see the impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another morning to worship. Thank you for another morning to declare the praise of Jesus. To be reminded of your glory and the reminded of your power. To be reminded that you are the unstoppable God. Meet us now in this place. Hear our praises, Lord, as we declare them to you, God. You are such a good God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.